listening to the Living Room North Living Room North podcast. My name is Chelsea for those I haven't had the chance to meet yet, which might be a lot of you in the room. Um, it has been a hot minute since I have been up here on this stage. In fact, the last time I was up here, I was super pregnant, like eight months pregnant, about to have a baby. And so back in March, I became a mom, which is wild, bananas. Um, and my life has, yeah, thank you. It has, it has been a journey, people. Um, but my life has been shaken up in all of the best ways and all of the hard ways. Um, thanks to this little guy, I think we're going to throw him on the screen. This is my son. Uh, this is Owen. He is something. Let me tell you, this kid is something. Uh, if you would describe yourself as an uber extrovert in the room, you're like, I can talk to anybody. I never meet a stranger. I always have something to say. Raise your hand loud and proud because that's who you are. Yes. Okay. I think I am raising one of you. Um, my son, Owen, has a lot of emotions and a lot of opinions, and I know you're thinking he's a baby. He is, but he is a force to be reckoned with. Let me tell you, when this kid is happy, he is like the sweetest, happiest, most fun little guy, but when he is mad, you better watch out. Like I legitimately have thought about buying him headphones to protect his own ears from his screams because he is wild, which is an interesting season of life for me because I'd never experienced this before. And so as I've adjusted to this new season of life, to this big personality in my home, I've thought a lot about what living my best life looks like. What does that look like for me and my family in this season? And last week, I was, I was rocking Owen to sleep in his room. I was, I was trying to get him there. It could take some time. And it was one of those days like today where it felt like nothing was going right. I could not remember in this moment the last time that I took a shower or the last time that I went to the gym. I have spit up and snot and who knows what else all over my clothes and my hair. And I pull out my phone and I start scrolling Instagram. Um, and the first thing I come to is a mom influencer because from the moment I got pregnant, my entire Instagram has been nothing but mom influencers. And, and this specific mom that day, she just looks like she has it all together. Like her baby is wearing the cutest little Zara outfit with like the tiny little vans. I didn't know how important tiny vans would be in this season of my life. And she has mascara on, her hair is done. I'm like, how did she do that? She's decorated her house for fall. And here I sit and I'm like, I look like death. I smell like death. The only fall decor in my house is this pumpkin I got uh, from Target in the dollar section a few weeks ago. And it's actually still in the back of my car. It hasn't made it out. How is this woman doing this? And in this moment, I think, man, I am not living my best life. Even yesterday, we took Owen um, to get one of those baby helmets. Maybe you've seen them before. It looks like he's like about to get into a boxing match at all times. 
because it shapes his head and, and makes it round. And if I'm honest, I was not excited about this. Um, it was hard for me as a mom, which is a whole thing, but we're, we're running late to this appointment. Owen does not like the car seat because he can't move around. And so this appointment's like an hour away and I've got a podcast going on in my radio. And then I've got Bluey in the back because my six month old has his own tablet, don't judge me. And then he's screaming bloody murder because all he wants in the world is to get out of this car and we're headed to this appointment and I'm just like, man, what a life we live. I can't, I feel like I can't catch my breath. And so I get to the end of the day and I get in my bed and my iPhone does that beautiful thing where it gives me featured photos and it brings back memories. And, and this is the photo that comes up in my featured photos. This is my husband, Ty, and I in Hawaii last year. And this was probably one of the best weeks of my life. Like, I wore Birkenstocks almost all day, every day. We hiked and snorkeled through, like, real-world Jurassic Park. No joke. We had Mai Tais and Poke Bowls constantly. And I'm laying in my bed after this really draining, exhausting day, and I'm looking at this photo of myself, and I think, ah, I am not living my best life. But then I keep scrolling through my featured photos, and my iPhone serves me this video, this recent video, that I thought I would share with you guys. I think we're gonna throw it on the screen. Okay. <laughs> yeah. that funny? Yeah. This guy, I mean, come on, is he not the cutest little specimen you've ever seen? And that sound of his laughter, it is literally joy to my soul, like balm to all of the things. And I sit there and I'm like, you know, I am so grateful for this joy. I am so grateful for this life. I love this laughter. I am, in fact, living my best life. I think the reality that I'm realizing is your best life has very little to do with your actual circumstances, but it has everything to do with the lens that you see them through. For my camera people in the room, you know this. You can take a picture of the exact same thing but the lens that you have on your camera is gonna change the way that you see it. And, and the same is true in our lives. What's going on in our life, the lens that we see it through is going to change it completely. And I think the lens that we so often get caught up on is comparison. Comparison to the people around us. Comparison to the mom influencer on the other side of my screen. Comparison to the life that you used to live, or, or maybe comparison to the life you thought you would be living or should be living. I think we all get caught in, in what I would call and what many have called the comparison trap. None of us get by without getting caught in this comparison trap at one time or another. I know this is not just a me thing, right? Like if this is just a me thing, please just like boo me off the stage because then I don't know what I'm talking about. But 
I'm pretty sure this is an us thing. I think we all struggle with a comparison trap. We have our entire lives. Like if I think about Owen now, or, or when you guys were babies, you noticed when other kids had a toy you didn't have and you wanted it. Like the comparison trap started early. And then we got to middle school and the comparison trap got real. I know when I was in middle school, Abercrombie and Hollister were the place to buy the cool clothes. I'm not sure if those exist anymore, but that was like the only place to get like the jean mini skirt at the time. And in sixth grade, I can remember I needed a new pair of jeans. And I'm like, well, duh, we're going to Abercrombie or Hollister because that's what the cool girls wear. So that's where I expect my dad to take me. But oh no. At that time in my life, we did not have a lot of money. And uh, to this day, my dad buys clothes from Dollar General. He loves Dollar General. I don't know if there's any Dollar General fans in the room. So I go, Dad, uh, Hollister, Abercrombie, he's like, oh no, honey, we are going to Walmart. And I, in that moment, like any middle schooler in the room, right? I'm like, Dad, you are ruining my life. You are literally ruining my life. How could you do this? I have to wear Walmart jeans while all the other girls have Abercrombie or Hollister, Aeropostale, whatever it was at that time. And I look back on that season of my life now and I think, what in the world? Why was that such a big deal to me then? Like, I will rock some Walmart jeans today. But at that time, it just felt like if I can't measure up, if I can't compare, to the people around me, then what am I doing? I know that it was hard in middle school, but it has only gotten harder since then. The comparison gets worse as we get older. We're constantly comparing ourselves to someone else or something else. It gets into every aspect of our life. What we wear, how we look, who we hang out with, the college that we got into, the grades that we make, the parties we get invited to or the parties we don't get invited to, our relationship status, the number of friends and likes and comments and followers on our social media. It leaks into everything. And here's what I, I have found to be true, is that comparison is the thief of joy. Now, pause for a second. Um, I want you to be really honest, and it's okay, because this was me. If you thought that comparison is the thief of joy was a verse in the Bible, just like, anybody? Thank you, Jake Williams. I totally thought that this was a verse in the Bible for like the longest time. I probably told people like, God says comparison is the thief of joy. And he's like, no, that was actually Teddy Roosevelt, but still a smart man. And no less true, comparison is the thief of joy. And I think the reason that has stuck out to me is because I've seen it in my own life time and time again. And then another wise, historical, monumental figure, Olivia Rodrigo, she says, comparison is killing me slowly. And I know that neither one of Teddy Roosevelt or Olivia Rodrigo 
are in our Bible, but, but I have found these things to be incredibly true. Comparison, it kind of starts like a little whisper, a nudge in our mind, a question that says, can I measure up? Do I measure up? It, it starts as the belief that we're missing something or we're missing out on something. But comparison grows into this massive thing. It's all consuming. It creates self-pity and insecurity and bitterness and resentment in our hearts and in our lives. It's ugly. And I think we've all seen that. We can all relate. Some of us are literally living our lives revolved around comparison. Like everything that we do, our entire motivation is to live up to something or someone. And for some of us, we're missing out on entire parts of ourself because we're living in the shadow of comparison. I, I have a friend uh, named Andrew, not Andrew Rogers, a different Andrew, that I was having a conversation with a couple of weeks ago, and he's one of those guys that he picks a topic and he just researches it to death. It is like the most random topic. It's like one of those people who gets you in a corner and it's like, I gotta tell you all about crypto or Bitcoin. And they go on for five minutes and you're like, I have no idea what you're talking about, but this is awesome that you know that much. And this is Andrew in this moment. He is going on and on about this random topic. And I'm like, Andrew, it is fascinating to me how much of a deep thinker you are. Like you're such an intellectual. And he says, it's funny because my whole life, I thought I couldn't be an intellectual. He tells me that he has two older brothers. They are super smart, both engineers. And he's like, growing up, I almost, I didn't even really read books. I didn't try in school because I just, I felt like I could never measure up to them. So I couldn't be an intellectual. And, and now that I'm an adult and I'm not living in the shadow of comparison to my brothers, I'm learning this new side of myself that I had never seen before. And in that conversation, it made me wonder how many of us in this room, we have a story like that. We carry around a measuring stick and we say, if I can't measure up to this, I can't be that. When it comes to our brains, we carry around the measuring stick that is our older brother. When it comes to our likability or our popularity, we carry around the measuring stick that is our sorority sister or our fraternity brother. When it comes to our success, we carry around the measuring stick that is our parents. And it's like we live this life revolved around someone else's life or a life that we're not even living. You see, the more I think about it, the more I've learned there's no win in comparison. There's no win in comparison. It makes it absolutely impossible for us to be content because we're always looking for something more, for something better. There will always be someone stronger, prettier, smarter. We find ourselves in a place where we're never satisfied, where we're not grateful for what we have because we're so focused on what we think we're missing. And, and there's a, a book in scripture that has a passage 
and it is actual scripture. It's not Teddy Roosevelt or Olivia Rodrigo, I'll spoiler alert. Um, but it has a passage that speaks to this comparison trap. And it's in the book of Ecclesiastes. To give you a little backstory on Ecclesiastes, it's, it's considered a book of wisdom. And the author is technically unknown, but most believe it to be written by Solomon, who was king of Israel for about 40 years. Solomon wrote the, the book of Proverbs as well as Song of Solomon, and he was considered at the time to be the wisest man on earth. And he writes Ecclesiastes that at the end of his life, as he looks back and he learns and, and he says, this is what I've observed, this is the insight that I have. And in this specific passage, he speaks to what I, I think we experience now is the comparison trap. This is what he says. He says, and I saw that all toil and all achievement spring from one person's envy of another. This too is meaningless, a chasing after the wind. So he starts by saying, oh, sorry, we'll go back, Andrew. Um, He starts by saying all toil and achievement, everything that we do comes from one person's envy of another. This exactly is the comparison trap. But he says that this is meaningless, a chasing after the wind. And I don't know if you've ever chased after the wind before. I really hope you haven't. But it would be meaningless, it would be endless, it would be purposeless because you're never gonna catch it. And comparison is like that. There's never a finish line, there's never an end goal. He goes on. Fools fold their hands and ruin themselves. Better one handful with tranquility than two handfuls with toil and chasing after the wind. Now, this first line where he says, fools fold their hands and ruin themselves, this is kind of the opposite effect of comparison to what we've talked about so far. This is, this is more so like, you know what? I'm, I'm never going to be enough. I give up. I'm never going to measure up. I'm not even going to try out. I'm not even going to put myself out there. I'm not even going to go. Then he goes on and says, better one handful with tranquility than two handfuls with toil and chasing after the wind. Better one handful of what you do have, of what you have to offer, of who you are with tranquility, meaning peace, joy, satisfaction. It's better to have this than to have this and constantly be grasping for something else because you're missing what's in this hand all along. And, and he, wraps, he wraps this up with this, and I think it's really insightful. Again, I saw something meaningless under the sun. There was a man all alone. He had neither son nor brother. There was no end to his toil, yet his eyes were not content with his wealth. We'll go to the next one. For whom am I toiling, he asked, and why am I depriving myself of enjoyment? This, too, is a meaningless, a miserable business. Now here's my question tonight is, is how often are you this man? Never content with what you have, living your whole life to measure up to this comparison that you've created in your mind, always striving for the next thing. And here's the point I think Solomon is making in in all of this language. I think what he would tell us 
is you start living your best life when you stop comparing it to others. For me, in this season of life, I'm realizing that I do live my best life. I am living my best life when I'm not so focused on this other life that I think I need. When I'm not so focused on the life that someone else is living. And I don't know about you, but I do think for me, this would radically change my joy, my contentment, my satisfaction in my day to day. If I lived in the here and now as Chelsea in this season, rather than trying to be Chelsea in my last season or Chelsea in my next season, rather than trying to be Andrew or Ryan or Esther, I know I am living my best life as me right now. And the same is true for you. But how do we practically do that? Because it, it's not easy to just go, all right, I'm going to stop compar- comparing myself. And, and as of tomorrow, I'm done. Like, this is never going to happen to me again. I know that that's not how our brains really work. So here's some steps that I think will lead you in that direction. Comparison will continue to be something you will have to wrestle to the ground day after day, but I think these steps can help. I hope they do. The first thing I would say is define the comparison in your life. Think about it. Take 30 minutes this week and ask yourself, who am I comparing myself to? What am I comparing myself to? What is the measuring stick that I'm carrying around that I feel like I'll never measure up to? What is that? What part of yourself are you maybe missing out on because you're living in somebody else's shadow? I would love for you to do some self-introspection because I think that's the first step. And then once you've done that, this is what I would do. I would replace the lies of comparison with truth because The reality is the struggle of comparison is really a struggle with lies. The lie that you don't measure up, the lie that you're not enough, the lie that their life is better than yours, the lie that they're having more fun than you are, the lies that we believe and tell ourselves, they become the lens that we see our life through. And this idea of replacing the lies of comparison with truth. I did not come up with this. This actually comes um, from the words of the Apostle Paul in Romans 12, and it may not be up there. Oh, it is, perfect. He says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And what it means to renew your mind is exactly that, to replace the lies that you've believed of comparison with the truth of what God has said about who you are, about who he is, about the life he's called you to live. And maybe that sounds bizarre and foreign to you. So I wanted to throw up some examples on the screen to give you an idea of what this looks like. Uh, The first one, the lie that you might believe is, I have to look like blank to be enough. But the truth that I would replace that with 
is people look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Another lie that you might believe is if I only had blank, I would be happy. Um, The truth is uh, my God will meet all of my needs according to the glorious riches of Christ. Philippians 4.19. There are lots of lies that we believe, but I know that there is lots of truth, far more truth to replace those lies with. And, and I know for me that has been transformative in getting out of the comparison trap of believing what God has said is true about me so that I do not have to look to my right or to my left to see how I'm doing. And if that's interesting to you, if you want to know more about that, if you're not even sure what is true or where to find what is true, you're in the right place. Because next week, we're going to start this brand new series called, Did God Really Say? And in that series, we're going to talk about the reliable information, the truth about who God is, about who you are, and about the life that he's invited you to. And so you don't want to miss out on that if it's something that you want to dive into. And, and I really think that it should be. So uh, before I let you go, there is some truth that has been monumental to me that I just want to remind you of or maybe tell you for the first time before you walk out of this room. You are fearfully and wonderfully made by God. And he knows every day of your life. He knew every day of your life before any of them came to be. And so before you look to your right or to your left, before you look to your past or to your future to see if you measure up, you can rest in that truth that you in this season, you, you are enough, that this is your best life, and that there's no measuring up for you to do.